Hey, everybody. Welcome to JPD Weekly. Glad to be talking with you again today. We are going to have kind of a continuation of something that we started uh, last week, and we're going to kind of continue the conversation. If you missed last week, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. You can jump in now, and it'll work out great. I don't usually like doing part one, part two, because I know for me, I... I Part two, I, I, if I feel like I have to watch part one, I'm not going to watch part two, you know. Uh, people have to have to really, like, dedicate themselves to watching a series. So this is not that, uh, I promise. This is just, um, we're going it, to, it's the same topic. We actually talked about this the week before last week, too, when we, we opened on the roots of New Age, because if you understand the roots of New Age, you can understand how it's infiltrating the church, and you can spot it when it's there uh, in your own churches. And something like, when, when me and uh, Stephen Bancar's uh, former New Ager, and I, I'm a former New Ager too, uh, both born-again Christians now, but when we first wrote our book, um, Second Coming of the New Age, we estimated over easily over 95% of Christians have at least one New Age belief and don't know it. They think it's Christianity. Uh, so that, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to expose here. Um, and so I guess technically this would be like part three, but it's not, it's not really a series. Um, last week we talked about, uh, so, so two weeks ago we talked about Gnosticism. We talked about kind of the origins of New Age, how it, how it really started right at the same time as Christianity. So when the apostles are talking about false teachers, wolves in sheep's clothes, it, it, it was those guys that they were talking about, uh, these, these Gnostics that were going to spring up. And they did. And we still have that today. Uh, and the Bible is always telling us, beware of false teaching. And I, I think that that warning, that, that's why, because, uh, you know, the old prophets of the first century, they knew that this stuff was going to infiltrate the church in, in all of its history. And it has. It's been there all, the whole time. Um, we, are, we have constantly contended against this. So we need to know that and be aware of it and be sensitive to that. And, and we need to know what to look for. So... I, I think that by showing how, you know, how it sprung up in the first century, but then also showing how it sprung up in our own country a uh, hundred, couple hundred years ago, somewhere in that time frame, that we can kind of learn how and why it's celebrated so strongly in our church today and why it's called Christianity when it's not. Uh, Gnosticism, I mean, what's called Christianity, just, you know, they tried to, they tried to say that it was like, you know, they, they, they were like the true Christians. People say that today that the Gnostics were the true Christians. I mean, they have the Gospel of Thomas and stuff. They have things that sound so Christian, but then when you look at the theology, there's nothing there that has anything to do with it. It's totally different. So you get the same today. You get New Agers that they'll say, well, I do quantum healing, and they make it sound so Christian. You know, they, they'll even invoke the name of God and, and, and try to use that to energize your, your cells and in, a, in, a quant, in, a, in a quantum way to release healing. And, and they do all this kind of stuff and most of those people that do that don't even know it's New Age. They think that they're being Christian. I thought the same thing when I was in it. I thought that I, I was definitely into New Age, but I thought that it was like an extension of Christianity. I, I saw no problem incorporating that into Christianity. Of course, it's a big problem. I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, so that's why I'm so outspoken against this now and why I want to get this stuff out there as much as possible. Um, it's always been with us and it'll probably always be with us, but that doesn't mean that everyone we talk to, uh, all of our friends and families have to fall for it. We, we, we can, we can tell everybody in hopes to save a few. Uh, so, you know, there's a biblical principle there. And so I think that if we can understand how this stuff kind of sprung up, 
then it'll give us a better hold on what it is today. So Gnosticism was two weeks ago. Last week we started talking about how it sprung up with Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and people like that. Uh, we talked a little bit about Aleister Crowley in the members only section. So this time uh, we're going to start with Anton LaVey and continue on where we left off. But again, if you didn't catch last week, that's okay. <laughs> you can still watch this week and you're going to understand just fine uh, because this is not a progression of teachers that we're going through, of new age teachers. It's just here are some new age teachers and what they've taught and this is how uh, you, you can see some of the elements creeping into the church uh, today. And, and so we as Christians should not be accepting this into our own personal uh, worship time or our own personal spiritual lives, and we should warn our friends and family uh, about the dangerous influences that can be found here. So Anton LaVey was one of these, and, and Anton LaVey is somebody, because I made the claim last week, and I'm going to further make that claim this week, that New Age is really Satanism. It's veiled Luciferianism. It's veiled, thinly veiled Satanism. It is Satanic, and most New Agers wouldn't want to accept that. Most New Agers wouldn't want to accept that people like Alice Bailey and Helena Blavatsky were overt, rabid racists. They were. And, and a lot of New Agers uh, venerate people like this and really look up to these teachers, but they, they, were, they were totally evil. I mean, they, by anybody's standards, they were evil uh, because of the racism stuff. They were really anti-Semitic especially. Um, but they also said things about black people and said things about Australian aboriginals that they were half animal and stuff. I mean, they, they were really evil people, uh, really evil racists, but these are the people that started New Age, which you see today. But again, a principle in New Age is that they just pick and choose what they like, and uh, they, they take the things they like and leave out the things they don't. That's an inconsistent way to handle theology, of course, and it gets, it gets people into trouble all the time. Um, so kind of picking up where we left off, we, we talked about some of the people. Uh, now I want to, I want to, go through, go, jump a little bit ahead in time and, and talk about from 1930 to 1997, Anton LaVey. Now, while Crowley may have been uncomfortable with the term Satanist, and he was, we talked a little bit about the illogical view of that. We talked about that in the members only section last time. Uh, Crowley was uncomfortable with the term Satanist, even though he both was and wasn't a Satanist. I mean, he, these people, they, they have completely conflicting worldviews. And that, that's what happens when you pick and choose. When you pick and choose and you cherry pick you, and you don't take the whole thing, then you, ha you get things that conflict. Um, and you don't have logical, consistent theology, which makes it wrong just by definition. Uh, it makes it a mistake. Some people don't care, and they just follow it anyway. Uh, some people don't know because they haven't thought about it deeply enough. Doesn't mean they're stupid. Uh, it, it just means that they just haven't thought about it enough. And so that's why we want to come in and, and lovingly help and, and offer some assistance here and say, well, look, if, you, if, you, if you'll actually take a look at this, I, I, I think your beliefs have some things you wouldn't adhere to or you wouldn't want to associate with. And, and, and then, you know, you, you can be loving and say, hey, you know, look into it and show me if I'm wrong, but this is what I see. This is where I see it. Uh, and so uh, th th that's why we're doing this. But now, while Crowley may have been uncomfortable with the term Satanist, Anton LaVey, again, born 1930, died 1997, he was not uncomfortable with that. Uh, Anton LaVey wrote several books, including the Satanic Bible, uh, the Satanic Rituals, the Satanic Witch, and the Devil's Notebook. He also founded the Church of Satan. Um, and we talked a little bit last time about how ridiculous Satan's are, uh, Satanists are today because they call themselves Satanists, but they say they don't believe in Satan. 
why don't you call yourself something else? You know, and it, it's it's because it, it speaks to this like self godhood, prideful. They they because they want to confuse you because it makes them feel like they can they can act like they're smarter than you. Like, well, you're dumb because you don't get it. It's like, no, you call yourself something and you say you're not that thing. So that to me, no offense, and in all love and respect, that to me sounds dumb. You, you know, and you know it sounds dumb. That's the reason that you use it. You know, that, that's the whole reason, because you want to confuse people so you feel like you're above them. And, and you, you see that, and I talked about last week, how you see that in cults. Um, way to identify cults if they deny the Trinity, if they deny the deity of Jesus, but also if they, if they use that type of illogical uh, logic, for lack of a better word, if they use this, this illogical string of thoughts to make their point because they know it makes them sound smart. You you know, I mean, it's like saying something like, like, oh, it, it burns with a coldness, or I, I don't know, you, you always see these opposites played out, and you see this actually like a lot in like ancient Chinese wisdom and stuff like that. Um, you, you see it a lot in like philosophy, a, a lot, and, 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 but when you look at it, you, you find out that the people that use those little literary tricks, that's all it is, it's just opposites. Um, they don't actually have any deep thoughts. They don't have anything really of substance. Uh, you see that a lot in Hinduism and Buddhism. Um, not all of it, not all of it, but just like not all of philosophy, not all of ancient Chinese wisdom is like that, but a lot of it is. So if you if you see stuff that like uses these weird opposites, like like for example, you see that a lot in Gnostic teaching. Uh, you you see you you don't find it in the actual Gospels of the Bible. Like Jesus doesn't talk like that. He just straight up tells you how it is. But you see that in a lot of the Gnostic teachings. So where, um, you know, in the Gospel of Thomas or something, where they'll say that Jesus said this or that or whatever. Uh, and, and the teachings that Jesus gives are like self-contradictory. Like he'll say one line, and then the next line is the opposite of the thing he just said. And then it's like, well, you figure it out. What does that mean? And it is, it is a common trick, and it's, it's lazy, really. Uh, anybody can do that. Um, it, it's, it's a really lazy way to sound really smart and deep and thought provoking and basically posers do that kind of stuff. So when you get somebody who's a Satanist and say they don't believe in Satan, uh, that that's, that's exactly the same thing that then at that point, it's like, all right, well, I'm just not going to play around with that. Um, now going back to Satanism, academic scholars of Satanism, um, her uh, Faxneld and Je Je Jesper A. A. Peterson described LeVay as, quote, the most iconic figure in the satanic milieu, end quote. <clears throat> LeVay is heralded as being the father of Satanism. Uh, he's, he's, he's criticized, Anton LeVay criticized New Age as being nothing more than thinly veiled Satanism. This is one of the things he was actually right on. Uh, it was actually his interest in the occult that caused him to form the mystery school called the Order of the Trapezoid in the 1960s, which became a, um, it became a functioning arm of the Church of Satan. Uh, he, he knew the occult and the mystery school teachings as well as the next, and he quoted, he, he's quoted as saying, quote, but in truth, all new age labeling is, again, trying to play the devil's game without using his infernal name, end quote. He also expressed his desire to see New Age practices reclaimed by Satanists and dedicated to the rightful, rightful owner, Satan himself. So why did the mother of New Age, Blavatsky, why did she say that Satan is the spiritual father of mankind? 
Why, why is the most famous occultist in history a borderline Satanist who practiced blood sacrifice to demons? Is it possible that Anton LaVey was right and that New Age ideas and themes really do belong uh, and are attached to Satanic or Luciferian philosophy? Now, to a lot, to, to many who this is the first time that they hear this, that may seem far-fetched. And that probably sounds far-fetched to your just normal run-of-the-mill New Ager. But the truth is, uh, whether they know it or not, that, that theistic Satanism engages in every New Age practice under the sun and their dedications to Satan and Satanic philosophy. Um, so, for example, a popular spiritual Satanism ministry offers teaching on astrology, auras, magic, self-hypnosis, incense, pendulums, runes, telekinesis, brainwaves, clairvoyance, past lives, chanting, the pineal gland, the third eye, the chakras, bioelectric technology, the astral plane, spells, the kundalini uh, serpent, and trance. That's not a New Age site that I just quoted. That, that, that is uh, a satanic site. So if New Age teachings and practices are the highest will of God for our life, why do Satanists teach and practice the same exact things? And this is, this is especially people calling themselves Christian who practice a New Age, or they, they, they say they like New Age, but they're a Christian. This is, this is the kind of things that we need to bring up in love. Um, why is the father of Satanism accusing the New Age of stealing from Satanism? Now, in addition to those topics, you can also learn a lot about uh, how Satan is, you know, the, the, according to them, this is obviously not true, but they would say Satan is the one true God and is the one who brought spiritual knowledge to man, just like Helena Blavatsky taught. So a brief skim through the Satanic Bible uh, reveals similarities to New Age thought, such as the Age of Aquarius, the Five Elements, and the Pentagram. Lucifer is the personification, personification of enlightenment. Um, Thoth, God as man and man as God, spirit guides, pantheism, sensual indulgence, uh, spiritual rebirth through, through studying the mysteries, the all-seeing eye being your own redeemer and savior through enlightenment. These practices are all inconsistent with the Bible, but they are perfectly consistent with Satanism which speaks volumes about the spiritual nature of the movement itself. And that's what we have to point out. There are a lot of people who think they're Christian, who call themselves Christian, who practice mostly a new age. And th this is the kind of stuff we need to know to, to show them, like, look, if you really want to be consistent in your beliefs, you, your beliefs align way closer with Satanism than they do the Bible. You can't find these things in the Bible unless you twist the Bible around uh, outside of its original meaning. You can keep Satanism in its original meaning, and you could find all this New Age stuff. So there's an issue, uh, an issue there. Um, so that's Anton LaVey. Uh, Gerald Gardner was another one, uh, born 1884, died 1964. He was an author, anthropologist, archaeologist, and most infamously an English Wiccan known by the craft name of Seer, S-C-I-R-E, Sire. I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right because, again, it's a logical thing. I'm going to pick a crazy name that nobody can pronounce. But um, in his younger years, uh, Gardner traveled the world, he met new people, and learned about various cultures, but due to poor health, uh, he never gained any formal education, but instead taught himself to read. He developed a belief in the afterlife from the book that influenced him the most, which is uh, There Is No Death, from 1891 by Florence Marriott. Now, later in life, Gardner became personally close with a part of his family known as the Sergenesons. Surg 
who regularly talked with him about the paranormal, belief in fairies, and a rumor about an ancestor named Grissel Gardner, who had been burned as a witch in Newborough in uh, 1610. Now, in 1910, Gardner was initiated as an apprentice Freemason into the Sphinx Lodge, uh, affiliated with the Irish Grand Lodge. This was number 107. He had uh, risen to the third degree of Freemasonry before his resignation the following year. He then later moved uh, to Borneo, where he became fascinated with the local Dayak and Dusun, people's weapons, tattoos, and religious beliefs. He attended uh, Dusun seances and healing rituals before leaving Borneo and moving to Singapore. Now, in 1939, while Gardner was living in England, he joined the Rosicrucian Order Crotana Fellowship, which is an organization that blended uh, Rosicrucianism, theosophy, and Freemasonry into this kind of weird amalgamation. In 1946, he was ordained as a priest in the ancient British church, which was open to anyone who believed in monotheism. Uh, he also joined the Ancient Druid Order, or ADO, and ascended annual midsummer rituals at Stonehenge. In 1947, a mutual friend introduced Gardner to Aleister Crowley. Uh, before his death, Crowley initiated Gardner to the fourth degrees of Ordo Templi Orientis, or OTO, and decreed that Gardner could admit people into its Minervel degree. The father of witchcraft was in agreement with the doctrines and teachings of someone who practiced blood sacrifice rituals to demons and was actually a colleague working alongside him. That's, that's what this shows. Now, in 1954, he published his nonfiction book, uh, Witchcraft Today, which espoused the survival of the witch cult, his belief that fairies in Europe were actually a secret pygmy race living alongside humans, and that the Knights Templar had been initiates of the craft. In 1960, Gardner's official bi biography, Gerald Gardner, which uh, was published by the Sufi mystic Idris Shah, who went by the name of Jack L. Bracelin for fear of being associated with witchcraft. So what I'm getting at, this guy's the father of witchcraft, and a lot of what he taught is New Age. Um, but again, there are a lot of witches out there that would venerate this guy. There are New Agers that would ven 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 venerate this guy as well. Now, in 1964, at the age of 79, Gardner died of a heart attack, and then he was buried in Tunisia. Um, years later, Wiccan high priestess Eleanor Boone discovered that the cemetery where Gardner was buried was going to be redeveloped, so she arranged to have his body... Uh, moved to Tunis, where it remains today. And in 2007, a plague was, or a plaque, excuse me, was attached to his grave that described him as the father of modern Wicca, beloved of the great goddess. Now, the reason that I bring him up is again because there are people today that want to merge Wiccanism uh, or Wicca. They'll say that Wicca and witchcraft are two totally different things. But they want to merge that with Christianity, or they want to say that Christianity is a, you, you can incorporate them, that they're both the same thing. Well, again, the father of witchcraft, this guy here that we just talked about, also called the father, father of modern Wicca, he was closely associated with somebody who admittedly participated in blood sacrifice uh, and was involved in, in all this stuff, Aleister Crowley. Uh, so these... these when a Christian thinks that these things are compatible with Christianity, I, I, I think we just have to show, like, like look, it's mostly, mostly um, associated with Satanism. You, you can make a lot of connections 
between this stuff and Satanism. Yet the Bible speaks out against all of this stuff directly, witchcraft and sorcery and stuff. I mean, uh, it, it directly speaks out against that by name. Um, so, and, and then the rest of the stuff by association. So, uh, it's really inconsistent. It, it, that, that what what we have to show is that a, a Christian or somebody calling themselves Christian who want, wants to incorporate this stuff, they want to take the name Christian and redefine it, and they want to make it their own thing which means that they don't really care about true Christianity the way that Jesus wanted it. They care about using the name for their own good. Or, like me, I was always worried about hell, so I didn't want to stop being a Christian because I didn't want to go to hell, but I still wanted to participate in all this magic stuff and astral projection and stuff. So I, I made these weird excuses in my own head, and then I just didn't think about it too deeply so I could continue believing this. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a horrible sin. It was horribly evil. And... Had I died at that point, um, I would be I would be afraid to face God and, and have to give an account of my actions. Um, I I was certainly not representing Him in the way that He prefers. So a true Christian will want to live their lives based on how Jesus actually taught. And it's funny because you find that in Christian fundamentalism and dispensationalism and all the kinds of of uh, Christians that even other Christians want to hate on today, you, you, you find that. You find an actual dedication to what, what, what does it actually really mean? Like, like what does Christ really mean here? Not, not what do I want him to mean. What does he actually mean? Um, whether they're right or wrong on certain points of theology, that's the heart behind it. And I, I find it funny that, actually it's not funny, it's, it's, it's actually really tragic, but um, I find it interesting that those are the groups of Christianity that are hated the most. Uh, you, you, you don't dare call yourself a dispensationalist or, um, or a fundamentalist if you want to keep your friends. You can call yourself a Calvinist and, and, and you, you'll, you'll by and large be fine. You can call yourself Reformed, you'll be okay. Um, most dispensationalists are not going to break fellowship with you over that. Uh, most fundamentalists aren't going to either. They'll just disagree with you. But they're, they're also not as likely to just mock and deride you. Now, there, there is a, a spirit of offense. There's a spirit of sensitivity where one person will say one thing one time, and then that person who was wronged will cast all believers in that particular group as the same thing. I, I used to do this myself. I was actually talking with uh, my wife, Christina, about this the other day. And I was like, you know, I, I, I have openly talked about some of the issues that I had with the church that I was brought up in. But the, just the more mature that I'm, I, I, the, the more spiritual maturity that God is bringing me into, and the more that I look at it just honestly, it really was only one or two or three people that ever kind of gave me a hard time about stuff. I can't say it was the whole church because I didn't even know the whole church. I didn't know everybody there. I, I, did, I, I didn't talk to everybody there. It really was only a, a handful of them. Yet, there was a time in my life where I was so hard against, against dispensationalists, against fundamentalists, Oh, they're all this, they're all that. Cessationists even. I, I, had, I had, and I'm not a cessationist. Um, well, not in the way that people typically define cessationism. 
but I'm not a cessationism. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and I, I believe that people are given spiritual things today. I, I, I see no problem with uh, God giving somebody some prophecy for today. I, I think that that stuff can just, I think that can happen. I don't think there's any issue there. But, of course, like anything else, uh, those things can be abused. But I, I had so much against these people, but the more, the more that I decided I don't want to do my own thing, I, I want to know, like, what did Christ really mean? What did Christ really teach? What does the Bible really teach? The more I realized, man, I, I am all of these things. You, you kind of have to be if you want to be consistent. And, and I, I, was, um, I was an Arminian and didn't even know it. Uh, in in terms of soteriology, so you know salvation, I I thought that I, I I just I had all sorts of things that I didn't really know, I didn't really know too too much about, and I just I just thought them, um, and not anymore, uh, because when you actually you you, you got to look at what's logically consistent throughout the scripture and just what is it telling you, you, you know, instead of looking at it through our own lens or what we want to be true or what we think would be awesome if it was true, you know, and by and large, I did that so much in my past. Um, and really that thought process was still some of my new age influences dragging along uh, into my early years of, of being a believer in Christ, because that is the thought process behind new age. And that's why it's so important. New age will just pick and choose anything they like. If you like it, it can be true. And it is, it is an entire way of thinking that you don't even, you're not even conscious that you even have <laughs> unless you're like really, really self-aware, you know, you really got to know yourself to even, to even know that. Um, but I, I had that way of thinking and, and little by little, little by little, Jesus started chipping that away. It wasn't all at once, but little by little. And, and the more that Jesus started chipping that away, and saying, no, it's not going to be your way. If you really want to follow me, it's got to be my way. And I would love to welcome you into it, but I'm not going to force you into it. And, and the more that I allowed him to do that, the more I realized, man, the, the, the fundamental dispensationalists, they, they, they got it right. The pre-trib rapturists got it right. Um, again, I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to agree with every point of every little doctrine or every little fact, or, you know, there's, there's still disagreements and things among people and that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, uh, I, I, I just, I just had to realize, you know, if I want to, if I want to be consistent in my beliefs and be consistent with what scripture says and not redefine it consistently, but just define it consistently. Um, it's it's not that you convert to a certain group and then you just believe what that group says. It's you just you just decide to take the Bible for what it says. You just decide to take the Bible for exactly what it says, and then that will lead you in the direction of what today is called, you know, fundamentalist dispensationist. You, you, you know, so you don't learn dispensationalism. You you just you just learn the Bible and it just brings you there because that's what it that's what it consistently says. And it wasn't invented in the 1800s, and Darby didn't invent it. You know, there's a lot of lies and straw men about it that just are not true. This is first century biblical teaching um, from, from the, the school at Antioch. You know, I mean, there, there's real history here in the early church when Christianity first sprung up. Uh, and so that that that's just important to know but but again look um i i'm kind of i'm kind of going off on a tangent here basically what i'm trying to get at is new age stuff it's not just 
a set of beliefs. It's a way of thinking. And in that way, it, it has crept into the church big time. Um, now, I would not say necessarily, you know, I wouldn't go and say like every Calvinist is a, is a secret new ager, like, but that way of thinking, that way of redefining, of picking and choosing, um, that was popularized by new age. It, the, even that, it, it doesn't originate in new age. It, it originates from Gnosticism, really. Um, but, but, Again, uh, I would never say that Calvinists aren't Christian. You know, I, I believe anybody who gives their lives to Christ, anybody who who trusts in Christ for their eternal salvation will be saved. And um, so if a Calvinist does that, then we're going to see them in heaven, regardless if their theology is wrong in other areas. But But the problem is we do have some really bad teaching in the church uh, amongst ourselves as Christians that we need to straighten out. Um, and so, so all, all of that is, is why studies like this, I think need to happen, need to happen more often. Um, let's talk about, uh, Jiddu, uh, man, I'm gonna have a hard time saying this. If I say it once or twice, I'll get it. Krishna Murti, Krishna Murti, Jiddu Krishna Murti. All right. Jiddu Krishna Murti, uh, was a, um, this is another influence, influential figure. He was groomed early in life by the Theosophy movement to be the New World Teacher, also known as Maitreya or Lord Maitreya, which is described in Theosophy as a, an advanced spiritual entity, a high-ranking member of a hidden spiritual hierarchy called the Masters of the Ancient Wisdom. We talked a little bit about that with Blavatsky uh, last week. Now, according to Theosophy, the Masters oversee the evolution of humankind. The Maitreya is said to hold the office of the World Teacher in accordance with the masters. Theosophy says the purpose of this office is to facilitate the transfer of knowledge about the true constitution and workings of existence to humankind. So in this belief system, one way that this is accomplished is by Maitreya occasionally manifesting or incarnating in the physical realm. Um, now the manifested entity then assumes the role of world teacher of humankind. Now, at the age of 14, Krishnamurti was discovered by the Theosophical Society, who quickly began grooming him to become the new world teacher. A new organization called the Order of the Star in the East was formed in 1911 to support the effort to make Krishnamurti the coming Maitreya, also known as the World Teacher Project. Uh, the effort gained widespread publicity and cultivated a worldwide following, mainly among other theosophists. The effort completely imploded when, in uh, 1929, Krishnamurti rejected the role he was expected to fulfill. He removed himself from the World Teacher Project and severed ties with the Theosophical Society, which damaged theosophical organizations and theosophy as a whole. Now, uh, Krishnamurti attracted attention to the religious establishment in India. He uh, interacted with several Hindu and Buddhist leaders, including the Dalai Lama, who regarded Krishnamurti as a great soul. Krishnamurti uh, put forth his ideas in the fields of religion, education, psychology, physics, which is why there's a lot of uh, Eastern mysticism in quantum physics today, uh, and consciousness studies. He began melding his philosophical and spiritual views into physics, even to the point of meeting and discussing with physicists David Bohm, uh, Fritjof Kapra, and E.C. George Sundershin. Now, despite having an interest in science, which would seem to be a pursuit of objective truth, Krishnamurti said, quote, truth is a pathless land, end quote, which was the core of his teaching. Pathless land. There's no paths to it. Just, it's, it's just an open, pathless land. 
Uh, and, and that type of subjective truth stuff is what you see in New Age. He believed and taught that human beings cannot come to truth by any organization, creed, dogma, priest, ritual, philosophy, or psychology. Instead, he believed truth could only be found through the understanding of one's own mind, through personal observation and subjective experience. There is so much of that in the church today. There is so much in the church, in Christianity today, where they put, they put everything into their experience. What their experience is dictates what they believe. You know, they have an experience of lifting themselves off to the courts of heaven, and because of that, that's going to dictate how they believe about it, and they're going to twist the Bible and make it into something biblical instead of realizing that is astral projection, and there is nothing biblical about it. Now, God himself can take anybody anywhere he wants. We are not to initiate that process. But, again, you, you, you find that in Christianity today. Anytime you put subjective stuff first, that's New Age. Uh, true Christianity, you're going to learn objective truths first. And it's not going to be by looking within yourself. It's going to be looking uh, through the Bible as God has presented it to you, through, through the Word of God. Um, and having a relationship with Jesus, but you're going to learn that. You're going to learn about Jesus and about God through the canon of Scripture. Um, now, this guy, he, he believed that man has built images of religion, politics, and individuality within himself as a fence of false security. So this idea that truth is a pathless land, it flies right in the face of the teachings of Jesus, who taught he alone was the path. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man com cometh unto the Father but by me. It's John 14, 6. To deny that there's no path is to directly deny Jesus himself, for he revealed himself as truth embodied. He is the path. He is the way. But unfortunately, many people uh, take the pathless land to nowhere, rather because of armchair talking points like these, rather you know, than the path to truth itself. Um, now, according to Jesus, this ensures destruction. Uh, direct quote, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That is Matthew seven twelve through 14. Now, while generally regarded as a great thinker and respected philosopher uh, by most people who have heard of him, Krishnamurti was nothing more than a teacher of anything goes and there is no path. Now, if there's no path to truth, then truth is not real. If truth is not real, everything is hopeless and nothing has anything meaning. Or nothing has any meaning. Um, this is, uh, so that's nihilism. I mean, this is completely antithetical to the teachings of Jesus Christ and the Bible as a whole. And his ties to theosophy can only make us wonder who, who, how so many influencers of the New Age movement, uh, how many had a hand in theirs and in, in uh, of theirs in Luciferian philosophy as well. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about one, a, a big one. Edgar Casey. That's who I want to talk about next, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience uh, following or making excuses for people like him before uh, before I completely dedicated my life to Christ. But we're going to do that in the members only section, and we're going to do that right after this.
Dr. Ken Johnson and I, if, uh, if those of you out there are familiar with Dr. Ken Johnson, he's been a guest on before. We're going to have him back on again to talk about this calendar. But um, he has a website called dsscalendar.org, and it's basically an online version of the Dead Sea Scroll calendar, which is a great resource. It's for free. Anybody can use it. But it does also mean that you have to – it's not an app. It's a website. So you have to pull out your phone every time you want to look at it and, and scroll around and look for things. So I reached out to Ken and I said, hey, what would you think about us uh, kind of like going into business together? But what, what would you say about producing a print calendar? Because I, I know how to do that. He already designed the calendar, so the hard work's done. I know how to get it into print and get it out to people. What, what do you say? And he was all for it. He was excited about it. So Ken and I worked together and produced the ancient Dead Sea Scroll calendar in print form. And this is for this year. Uh, and it, it's it's absolutely beautifully uh, printed. There are eight different styles, eight different uh, versions of this calendar that people can get if they want to. But basically what you have is, I don't know if people can see that, but you have the Dead Sea Scroll uh, calendar on the top with all the feast days and everything. And then on the bottom, you have the normal, just American regular kind of calendar. Even, uh, even if you, if you get the square one, the square style, you even get like pictures for St. Patrick's day and the holidays and stuff like that. Uh, so that is for this year. It starts in March. So don't think, well, it's four months into the year by now. There's no point in getting one. The Dead Sea Scroll calendar starts in March. So it's a great time to pick one up. But as I said, we also have uh, several other options. We have three different poster versions, which are just, you know, they're just posters. Uh, we have three different versions of that. We have um, a desk calendar style. Uh, so, you know, th this is like if you if you have a family member or a friend or something that has a desk job or something, this is this is a great gift. Uh, and then we also have this little CD case version, which is, I thought this was a uh, pretty innovative and cool, but it just opens like a CD, but you can stand it on your desk like that. And then it's, uh, you just have cards. They, they come out as cards. There's, uh, the calendar on one side, and then there's, uh, the American holidays on the, on the back side, and you just set it on your, on your desk or wherever like that. So if people want that, there is a link in the description below. And by the time this episode airs, we should have uh, the link right at dailyrenegade.com. So if you go to dailyrenegade.com right now, you should, if I'm timing this out right, you should see a graphic right on the page on the login screen. You don't have to be a member to take advantage of this, but uh, it'll, uh, we'll put it right on the login screen. DailyRenegade.com. You'll see a graphic there. You can click on that, pick your calendar, and uh, we'll we'll keep doing this every year. Or you can go to Dr. Ken Johnson's website, BibleFacts.org, or DSSCalendar.org, and you can see the same graphic there and get it there. Either way, it takes you to the same place, and uh, your purchase of a calendar goes both to help support Ken's ministry and Daily Renegade. So uh, if you already know that you love us both and you want a calendar, that's the place to go. Uh, okay, so we are going to take a break and we're going to pick this back up in the members only section. If you haven't had a chance yet, again, please go to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership today. If you get a monthly or yearly membership, you'll have full access uh, to my newest film dealing with how Christians should look at the UFO disclosure movement that's been opening up more and more in our government today. It seems like every day now we're getting new uh, news headlines on how the government is admitting to more and more and more. 
Well, how are we as Christians to respond to that? And what is this connection between UFO disclosure events and major events in Israel's uh, history and geopolitics in the Middle East? Because things are heating up there too. And these two seemingly different things uh, converge somehow. So the film gets into all that. Um, and it, it, I'm in it. Derek Gilbert is in it. Uh, we have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, uh, Steve Ciccolani, uh, Pastor Steve, if you guys uh, know him from, from YouTube and other various places. My wife, Christina, is in it. So it's a great lineup. It's also narrated by Zachary Lautitas. If you're familiar with that show, Prison Break, he was in that. He's been in a couple other movies and stuff since then. But he actually got me and Derek's book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, which is what this film is based on. Uh, he got a hold of that about a year ago. And uh, it, it really inspired him to reach out to me and Derek and then do some research uh, on his own. So we're going to be having him on the show sometime soon because he's got some amazing insights, uh, especially just being connected with Hollywood and seeing what's going on there. This is a truly historic moment. It will be known as the Abraham Accord. Ever since the news broke of the peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, many Christians have been wondering what it all means. Is it significant? Is it momentous and historic? Or could it even be prophetic? Most importantly, after this, what comes next? Everybody said this would be impossible. That film, What Comes Next, it is only available for paying members, but if you want a free trial, there are still some free things for you. Uh, most specifically, we have a free episode of The Sharpening Report right now with financial expert and Christian Terry Saka, right on the front page of DailyRenegade.com, which explains the financial crisis that we're in now and how we as Christians can safely protect our assets with an actual Christian company. This company is amazing. It's basically a ministry effort for us Christians, and it's done through Precious Metals. So you can go there uh, or just go to Cornerstone Assets in the link in the description below and request more uh, information. I have some silver myself, and I believe that every Christian should absolutely be doing this instead of trusting satanic organizations and doomed-to-fail currency options such as fiat and the banks and all, all of that with, you, with your resources uh, and what you leave behind for your family. At least with Cornerstone, you're um, working with Christians. You, you, know, you have to protect yourself, your family, your assets, and Cornerstone is the only Christian company that I trust with something so important and vital. So check it out. Uh, more information at dailyrenegade.com. Go ahead and watch that episode of The Sharpening Report. It's free for everybody and get the information. All right. If you haven't yet had a chance, head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership to see the rest of this episode. So members, hang on the line. Uh, everybody else viewing for free, we are going to be talking about Edgar Casey. So again, get a membership. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year. If you can do it, get the $100 a year. It's actually cheaper. Uh, so we are going to do all that in the members-only section, talk about Edgar Casey, and wrap this up. So thank you all so much, and until next time, take care and God bless.